This week on a special edition of Jerusalem Dateline, Israel comes to a standstill on the holiest day of the year and a quest to find the missing Ark of the Covenant. Is it closer than we think? Plus, we take you inside a growing movement to rebuild the Third Temple in Jerusalem and show you how new technology is revealing the lost faces of the Bible. All this and more this week on Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. For Jews, the holiest day of the year is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement and repentance. And the way Israel observes that day is unique in all the world. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, is the culmination of the 10 days of awe. Which are the 10 days that separate Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. These are heavy, heavy days of repentance and reflection and, and seeking God's face as we prepare to go stand before Him in a state of fasting, in a state of humility on the day of Yom Kippur. Here in Israel on Yom Kippur, the nation comes to a standstill. The streets are empty, public transportation ends, television broadcasting stops, and for one day of the year in all the earth, a country stops to seek the God of the Bible. During the 10 days of awe, Jews greet one another with the Hebrew expression, Gemar Hatima Tova, which means may you have a good inscription in the Book of Life. On Yom Kippur, they believe the book is closed for the year, so they pray and fast. It's a 25-hour fast, so the fast starts the evening uh, prior to the day, and then we fast all throughout the day, and it's observed through solemn prayer, beautiful liturgical songs that go up to before God. We speak words of prayer, of repentance. During the day, the book of Jonah is read in the synagogue. Jonah is a symbol of repentance. Jonah symbolizes oftentimes our own actions, you know, doubting God, disobeying God, going the opposite way of what God has called us to do when he's called us to call others to repentance and to build his kingdom. On Yom Kippur, Jews also recite a special prayer called the Vidui. The Vidui is the central prayer of confession and for forgiveness of the Jewish people on Yom Kippur. And it's a prayer that they pray not only behalf, on behalf of themselves, but on behalf of all the Jewish people around the world. The Vidui contains a loud section said corporately and a quiet section prayed by the individual. One thing that we learn from the Jewish people, something quite important, especially about Yom Kippur, that it's not enough to say you're sorry. You have to confess, say you're sorry, and then at the same time take practical steps to change your behavior. It says in the book of Leviticus, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. Well, the Bible speaks about Yom Kippur in terms of it being a great day of judgment, of us standing before God. So it's considered like the day of judgment. The gates of judgment are opened and Hashem is judging our souls in terms of our right actions and our wrong actions. We ask Hashem for forgiveness and He gives us His forgiveness. We seek His face and He is there. His mercy is every day and it's true, particularly on that day. During Bible times, Yom Kippur was the only day of the year when the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, the most sacred room in the temple. Hidden inside was the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the Ten Commandments God gave to Moses. Today, no one knows where the Ark is. 
Some claim it is far away as Ethiopia or Ireland, but one explorer believes it lies beneath a giant rock at Judaism's holiest site. Take a look. Researcher and author Harry Moskov took CBN News through the Western Wall tunnels, up to the ramparts of the Temple Mount, and into the chambers surrounding Judaism's holiest site. His book, The Ark Report, chronicles his two-decade quest to find the legendary icon. So here we are approaching uh, three arches. He says one theory is that it was taken out of the temple and carried to Jericho 18 miles away. It says in uh, Jeremiah that some of the vessels of the temple were exited, uh, sort of escaped as it were, through this area at the destruction of the first temple. But Moscow took us to the spot where he believes the ark lies. This particular section of the Western Wall is really fascinating actually because this stone is 570 mm -hmm. tons. Moscow believes a key clue lies behind this giant rock and says high-tech search tools give credence to his theory. Two years ago, there were tests done by the University of Nebraska, sonar tests, etc., cetera, uh, using electromagnetic uh, waves. They actually found what's called a storage space across from here. So actually, the, there was a purpose for putting this giant stone, this massive uh, slab, here. One of the reasons, in my opinion, is to protect whatever it is on the other side. And according to my theory of the Ark actually was buried by King Josea, I think it was uh, 568 BC, in back of these uh, boulders, these massive stones. In fact, underneath the Temple Mount lie dozens of underground tunnels and chambers. Back then, 150 years ago, Charles Warren went in, actually did a survey Nothing's really been done for political purposes, obviously, unfortunately. Since no, then? Since then, no one's been allowed to even put a shovel, nothing. Yeah. But uh, basically, they were the ones that surveyed the whole area, and they were the ones who picked out the tunnels, etc. Yeah. They couldn't find the ark, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't time. Warren, a British explorer, documented those tunnels at the request of Queen Victoria, just one of many throughout history looking for the Ark. When people like the Crusaders and the Knights Templar, even the uh, Palestine Exploration Fund, which was mm -hmm. originally commissioned by Queen Victoria, came over the centuries to look for the Ark. What they were looking for was a golden box with the staves, but what they, what they really should be looking for is a room. They could have been right up against the wall, and on the other side of the wall is the Ark. Moscow says the original Holy of Holies had another chamber directly below it. Actually, in the blueprint itself, of the first temple, a chamber should be built exactly the same, a holy of holies, exactly the same level of holiness as the one right above it. It was set up right from the beginning mm. to house the ark with a golden floor and everything. That's how Solomon built it, instructed, so this, the ark itself could go down. Right, it could go down. Do you feel right. like there's a time when the ark itself, when the time is right, will be revealed? I do. Timing is incredibly important, incredibly significant. Obviously, it's a, it's a groundbreaking, game-changing, <laughs> biblical type of discovery. My personal opinion is that uh, when it does happen, it won't be in a clandestine way where we're sneaking through these tunnels, you know what I mean, and we're bringing it out uh, under cover of darkness. It'll be a great occasion. It'll mm -hmm. help bring the Messiah. It'll be something that all nations will, will really rejoice in. Moscow credits Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark for the renewed interest.
There are some things that got right about the, you know, the power of the Ark, etc., and its destructive forces should get in the wrong hands and it knows where it is, so to speak. It suddenly became a thing, you know? Oh, what is the Ark of the Covenant? You know, what is that? Oh, yeah, it sort of put it into the face of the public, and maybe that was its best success. Yeah. I loved it, personally, you know. It's Hollywood. What do you think is the main takeaway people need to know about the Ark of the Covenant? It's a real thing, just like it did 2,700 years ago. It still exists today. It's got the broken tablets that Moses uh, crashed down there at Mount Sinai and the second tablets. It really does exist. We're really going to see it, hopefully, in our lifetime uh, again. It is a catalyst for the Messiah to come. Until it is revealed, the Ark of the Covenant built by Moses in the wilderness will continue to fascinate the world. Coming up, the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 A.D., sent shockwaves throughout the Jewish world. I often marvel when Pat tells the stories of the early beginnings, I think, I don't think I would have had the chutzpah to do some of those things that he did. When you're walking by faith, it, it isn't necessarily easy. Watch the CBN Story, now available on the CBN Family app. We were right on the cutting edge of things that nobody had seen before. And I know a lot of people thought we were crazy. The CBN story recalls the celebrated history of the Christian Broadcasting Network from its humble beginnings. It was quite a scene. And we walked into this television station. In the control room, there was glass all over the floor. To the renowned ministry that continues to bring the gospel to every nation. When people can hear the gospel on television in their own language, they respond to that. A special presentation in celebration of Pat Robertson's life and legacy. The CBN Story. Watch now on the CBN Family app. Download the CBN News app 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. Discover CBN Family, your gateway to inspiration, faith, and encouragement you can count on. Tune in to your favorite CBN programs. Experience the joy of each season with our fun and exciting seasonal content. And don't forget Superbook. Let your kids embark on thrilling Bible adventures. CBN Family, encouragement you can count on. Download the app or go to cbnfamily.com today. It's a key element of biblical prophecy involving the return of Jesus Christ to the earth, building a third temple in Jerusalem. Now there's a movement in Israel to make it happen. And it was made possible when Israel captured the Temple Mount during the Six-Day War in 1967. On June 7, 1967, Israeli Brigade Commander Motegor made an announcement that Jews had waited to hear for some 2,000 years. Retaking this ground was important for a number of reasons. For one, it's where King Solomon built the first Jewish temple. After the Babylonians destroyed it, Zerubbabel laid the foundation stone for a second temple that was later expanded by King Herod. It fell at the hands of the Romans in 70 AD. When Commander Gore declared that the Temple Mount was back in Jewish hands, it rekindled hope 
for a long-awaited third temple. The Six-Day War was a miracle of biblical proportions and um, was a, um, a cataclysmic opening of a, of a new era for, for Israel and for the whole world. Rabbi Heim Richman of the Temple Institute is dedicated to rebuilding the Jewish temple. He sees the time since the Six-Day War as a prophetic shift. It would be hard, I think, not to see what's happened in the past 50 years as a tremendous uh, jumpstart, a tremendous fast-forward. It's, it's, um, it's more than prophetic. It's like a kiss from heaven, you know? It's like a divine kiss. It's, a, it's an intimate brush with the reality of God's compassion and love, uh, and He keeps His promises. The Institute shares a key connection to the battle for Jerusalem. Its founder, Rabbi Yisrael Ariel, served with the 55th Paratrooper Brigade that captured the Temple Mount. After the victory, a Jordanian guide gave them a remarkable tour. His job was to carry the company machine gun. There's a very beautiful photograph of that. He actually, the first night of the liberation of Jerusalem, he, he was given the task of um, guarding over the spot of um, the Dome of the Rock which of course we believe is the Holy of Holies. The story though that he told us is that the soldiers were on the Temple Mount and it was just like the first hour or so. And uh, they were approached by a, a Jordanian fellow in Western dress who explained that he was the official tour guide for the Jordanian parliament and he offered to take the soldiers and show them the sites on the Temple Mount. And uh, he takes the soldiers, you know, the, the rabbi there and he says, uh, well, this is exactly where um, the sanctuary stood. This is where the, the altar stood. And then this is where the menorah stood. It tells him all these things about the history of the Holy Temple. Finally, the rabbi asked him, why are you telling us all this? And he said, well, we have tradition from our fathers, they from their fathers, that one day the Jews would wage a war and conquer this mountain and rebuild the Holy Temple. And I assume that you're starting tomorrow. And I want this to be my part, my part in helping you. What was their reaction to that story? Well, gosh, I guess, <laughs> yes, they were pretty surprised, but the bottom line is, in hindsight, it doesn't look like we were ready. Fifty years later, that's changed, with the Temple Institute preparing blueprints and gathering official temple elements, such as the priestly garments. Richmond is also dispelling myths about the temple on today's digital loudspeaker, YouTube. Let's start at the beginning. What was the Holy Temple really all about? All of this means talk of rebuilding the temple is no longer considered a fringe idea. Today, there is a lobby in the Knesset of how many members of Knesset that are constantly speaking about Jewish rights to pray on the Temple Mount. There are members of Knesset that actually talk about the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. Do you understand that 20 years ago, these people wouldn't have been given a moment on prime time television in Israel to say these things. They would have been laughed out. So, a few years ago, this was considered fringe? Zealots, lunatics, peculiar. Today it's mainstream. One of those members is Yehuda Glick. Ten years ago there was not a single member of Knesset who ascended Temple Mount. Today we have 20 of the Knesset members who are interested in ascending Temple Mount, praying on the Temple Mount, and are part in the battle for the redemption of the Temple Mount and for bringing the Temple Mount back into the center of the next, next step in the redemption process. Richmond sees the temple through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah, who wrote 3,000 years ago that God's house would be a house of prayer for all nations. It means basically that there's a God in the world and that the best is yet to come. 
and that we are so connected to him and to each other and to that purpose and to all humanity. And it's just a wonderful privilege to be here with you today, to be looking out over Jerusalem and to realize that we're living in probably the most important time in history. If you believe in the God of Israel and you see his hand on his people and you understand the tremendous uh, changes that have gone on over the years, you see that the one who brought us this far isn't finished and will keep his promises. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, the Temple Mount, Jerusalem. Up next, could this be the remains of King David's palace? Archaeologists give us an up-close look when we come back. Attacks on Jewish lives, communities, and synagogues. The Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And so my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. Now is the time to defend Israel's basic right to exist. And you can do that through CBN Israel. When you send a gift to the Jewish people through CBN Israel, you are giving humanitarian aid to Israelis in need. And at the same time, you are providing news coverage and documentaries that reveal what is really happening in Jerusalem and the Middle East. Attacks against Israel are ongoing. The need is urgent, and you can help. Call 1-800-813-8734. Go to cbn.com slash standwithisrael or text CBN Israel to 41444. I am Regent's first ROTC graduate. It's Superbook Summer of Faith. Three stories of God's miraculous protection for those who hear His voice and believe what He says. You'll receive this end-of-summer bonus with Academy Express. Jesus Feeds the Hungry. Join the CBN Animation Club and get Academy Express. Jesus Feeds the Hungry. Plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. And as part of our Summer of Faith bonus, receive three Superbook episodes demonstrating God's awesome power. Was the Bible's King David man or myth? That's the question excavators are trying to answer through biblical archaeology. Here's a look back at a story about what could be the remains of King David's palace. CBN News correspondent Julie Stahl takes us to where the digging took place. About 20 miles outside of Jerusalem, archaeologists found the best example yet of a fortified city in Judah from the time of King David. Identified with biblical Sha'arim, the city overlooked the Valley of Elah, where David killed Goliath. Before we excavated here, there was many debate about King David, if he's a historical figure or not, and if he indeed has a kingdom and fortified cities. Hebrew University archaeologist Professor Yossi Garfinkel told us, even though David is famous in the Bible, no evidence from his time as king had been found in Hebron or Jerusalem. So people start asking, well, maybe it's all mythology, maybe it's only history, uh, stories, maybe he never existed. Or if he existed, he was just a Bedouin sheikh living in a tent, but no real kingdom, no real fortified cities. 
That changed seven years ago when the excavations here began. And after one and two or three seasons, it turned out that we have a big city here which was heavily fortified. Some of the stone here are up to eight tons. This is not a small village. This is a real important stronghold. Not everyone shares this excitement. Some archaeologists caution that the site might have belonged to other kingdoms. Many believe there is no actual proof that King David existed. But Garfinkel is convinced. They found a 1,000-square-meter palace at the center of the site. It had an excellent view from the Mediterranean Sea to the Hebron Mountains and Jerusalem. Another building would have been used to store taxes. How do you collect taxes in antiquity? People uh, did not have salaries, so you don't have income tax like today. But pe people were agriculturalists, so everybody had to donate some of their product. Wheat, barley, legumes, and so on and so forth. And these were stored in big storage room, in storage jars and in a central building. There were no pig bones found at the site, showing that people followed the biblical commandment against eating pork. Garfinkel said all the discoveries add up. And it's different from the Philistine, from the Canaanite, or from the Kingdom of Israel. So our conclusion is that this city is from the time of King David. The dig here at Kirbet Kayafa will soon be finished as archaeologists move on to look for more answers at another excavation site. This area is going to be developed into a national park. To develop the place, to be a tourist area, and people from Israel and abroad, tourists can come and see the landscape, can see the only place in the world where you can see a city from the time of King David. Julie Stahl, CBN News, Kirbet Kayafa, Israel. Up next, incredible technology is revealing the lost spaces of the Bible's biggest characters. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. Audiences are raving about oracles of God. I believe this is an extraordinarily well-researched movie that indeed speaks about the integrity of God's word. It's a real faith builder. It encouraged me to, to realize God's hand in preserving his word throughout history. If God is not faithful to his word, he is not faithful. But this shows that he is. What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not they're genuine. I would describe this movie as inspiring. Captivating. Excitement. It mattered to them to get it right. Everybody should watch this movie. Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament. Available now for a gift of any dollar amount. Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel. 
Now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. Have you ever wondered what Samson's Delilah looked like? Or a man who might have known Jesus? Take a look at how science and technology have teamed up to create a glimpse of people from the time of the Bible. This is the skull of a man who lived in Galilee during the time of Jesus and might actually have heard his sermon on the Mount. This was a Philistine woman who may have known Delilah from the time of Samson. And this is how they could have looked. They appeared in the National Geographic documentaries, Lost Faces of the Bible. You do see uh, facial reconstructions of ancient people, Iceman from Europe or Egyptian mummies, but you never see biblical faces. You never see people fr from the Holy Land, from Israel. When human bones are found in Israel, Jewish religious activists usually insist they be reburied immediately. So to work with skulls is rare. We realize that modern technology has given us a opportunity to do in Israel what has been done elsewhere, namely to bring ancient faces back to life. Using criminal investigation techniques, filmmaker Simka Jakovavici, anthropologist Israel Hershkovitz, and their team reconstructed four ancient faces to flesh out stories from the Bible. They want to tell the story of the Jewish people in the Galilee. So, and I use it, and I use the facial reconstruction uh, 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 to look at the story and, uh, from, from, from a different angle. The other players, a Canaanite baby placed in a jar and buried under a house might have been a child sacrifice. And a 6,000-year-old hunter shows life from the world of Jacob and Esau, or Cain and Abel. Experts began by loading a CAT scan of the real skulls into a computer. An artist fills in any post-mortem damage like this missing eye socket. A 3D copier prints layers of the digital image as glue on successive layers of fine powder. Forensic artist Victoria Lywood gives the skull cast a face. What comes out is amazing. So essentially what you're doing is you're going feature by feature and developing each one of those according to the studies and then what you get at the end of it is an approximation of the person you're after. Lywood says she doesn't anticipate the way the face will look. You just work it and you see what you get at the end of it. And I was surprised when I saw the man who knew Jesus. I thought, you know, let me check my measurements <laughs> because this kind of looks like something that you would see maybe from the Bible or something like this. At the same time, another forensic artist worked on a digital reconstruction, much the same as animation is done today. His man from Galilee was similar, but different. Herskovitz says, he hopes these reconstructions will help young people understand the value of history. If you want to have a future, a better future, we have to learn more about the past. I'm hoping that through the vehicle of this modern CSI type forensic reconstruction, people will actually get excited again about turning to the Bible and reading these 
these stories that are really the lifeblood of uh, Western civilization. That really brings the Bible to life. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blasts so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.